podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In the two days since we last spoke to you, things have changed. A cautiously positive narratives have very quickly been replaced by despair. Paul Pogba's agent, Mino Rayola, or to put it into Alex Ferguson's words, the shitbag, jumped at the chance to remind everyone that Pogba doesn't want to be at United after his client put in one slightly better than average display against West Ham. And then... A rampant opening quarter of an hour from Julian Nagelsmann's RB Leipzig exposed every single one of Manchester United's weaknesses. The previously in form, Harry Maguire was guilty of gifting away goals again through his positioning. Luke Shaw returned from injury to do exactly the same. And United's midfield without Pogba, who was on the bench, and Fred, who was suspended, just could not cope. United's defence looked short of confidence and quality in the face of a well-drilled attack with a very specific knowledge of how they wanted to score goals. And at the other end, United broke into space through the Leipzig back line and either missed the chances or misplayed the final ball. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ultimately was so emphatically outthought by a much younger manager in Nagelsmann that even after 12 minutes, the conversation about Solskjaer's future at United had been kick-started once again. And the shame is that still, in the face of all of this, United almost came from behind to get the much-needed draw. Only a third goal from Leipzig, also terribly defended, left that task too great. And now Manchester United are out of the Champions League. The truth is that United didn't go out because of the feat in Leipzig. It was because of the away loss to Basaksha here, an inexplicable defeat. But after winning away in Paris and thrashing Leipzig 5-0 at home, United have gone out. That should be inexplicable, but it isn't. It's through bad performances and bad management. Um, Jack, apologies for the monologue to begin with, but I think it's a, a form of therapy. And it's one of those days, and we're recording this, what, 14, 15 hours after full time, the day after... It's one of those days where you wake up and it, it still weighs heavy on your mind. Um, and that will be true for the players as well. And we now play City at the weekend. Uh, we'll be previewing that game in the second half of the show. But it's, uh, it, it's a real gutting day. And we were basically beaten by a much better coached football team. It was, it was a very sobering evening, I think, watching the game. I'm, I'm really, really despondent about a lot of what what happened last night, it was just unbelievable in a way. Um, I, I was watching on a, on a stream and by the time I managed to find a stream that works, United were 1-0 down. 10 minutes later, we were 2-0 down and it just felt like, in, in that moment, it felt like every, everything we talked about in the, in the last episode that yeah. isn't sustainable, that our luck was going to catch up to us something had to give. It just, it felt like the chickens coming home to roost and that all of that was coming true. And in the end, we almost put, we almost got ourselves out of it of another hole. And if it wasn't for, you know, some poor finishing in the first half, some bad decision-making and just some really, really awful defending, we may well have done, done so. And maybe all this would have been forgotten, but I think what's frustrating about this more than anything is just that it, this really was just yeah. us getting out coached completely from the very first minute. We just, we were not anywhere near where we should have been. We said on the last episode, the worst thing that United could do was turn up to this game and, and with a really defensive yeah. mindset, just be really cautious. And I mean, you know, we're not privy of course to what gets said in the dressing room and, and the mindset the social was putting the players out with. But I think you send a very clear message when you, put five at the back and you have a midfield duo of Matic and McTominay 
that sends a very clear message to your own players, the fans, to the other team that you're coming here to try and get a nil-nil yeah. draw, which realistically look- was never going to happen. And it's it's really sad just thinking yeah. that we and we, and we said previewing the game that we have to go out and attack because this was a Leipzig team who would cause us problems in defence and we don't think our defence would be good enough to cope and that is exactly what was true and 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 that might not have worked either. Um, it's not to say that uh, the the tactics the right tactics were obvious for everyone to see, um, but I I do think it was the the wrong mindset. Um, and it, despite playing with a defensive formation and a pretty defensive mentality, I think we still managed to score two goals against a Leipzig team who have conceded four goals at home in all competitions this season, in all their games. We shouldn't be losing that game if we score twice. And imagine what we could have done had we focused on on attacking rather than focusing on on trying to nullify Leipzig's attacking threat, which ultimately in, in the game where we beat them 5-0 was not particularly threatening. Um, and, uh, and that makes it a, a real shame. You think about the attacking quality in this team. United's best players are in, in the attack. It is Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes and Donny van der Beek and Paul Popper very occasionally. Um, it isn't Wambasaka, Shaw, Teles, Maguire and Lindelof and De Gea. Those are not our, our best players. And yet those are the ones we relied upon to get us the, the win against Leipzig. And ultimately, whether it was in defence or attack, United just got absolutely done. They they were completely outthought and unable to cope with it. And, and that falls on Solskjaer. And Leipzig knew exactly what they wanted to do. As I said in the intro, they wanted to overload on either wing and then play that diagonal ball, switch the play. And they did it twice in the opening 12 minutes and scored twice from it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We, we just, it's rare you see such uh, clear examples of one team's tactics just completely outdoing the other. Yeah. I I think I was, I was talking to uh, David on, on Twitter about this during the game, trying to figure out, you know, what, what Solskjaer was trying to do with going five at the back from the start. And I can only think that the idea was that by having sort of more players in deeper positions, we would A, be able to be better defensively, which, you know, fair enough. That's usually the idea with five at the back. And that also by having so many more players deep, we would be in a better position to be able to break through Leipzig's press because this very much got glossed over because it was such a great performance against Leipzig in the home tie at Old Trafford. But you go back and watch that game and for the first 20 minutes, half an hour, we we were second best in that game. And, and that should have been a warning sign to everyone that, you know, they, this was potentially a, a difficult game for United and Leipzig were a team that was very much there that would cause us problems. And against Leipzig, the problem was we couldn't get out of the press. And, and, Putting five at the back seems like, oh, great, you've got more players in deeper positions. You can play shorter passes with some good movement. It's easier to to move the ball quickly and, and get through that press. But that only works if the players that you've got back there are good enough to actually do that. And if it comes down to a decision of yeah. whether you play an extra midfielder like Donny van der Beek or play an extra defender like Luke Shaw, 
as a as a way to try and break the press. You choose Donny van der Beek yeah, every single time. Absolutely agree. No, you, you, Again, I I don't know if that was the. You need a, a player who's comfortable on the ball, and uh, everyone knew that Leipzig were going to start uh, with intensity and energy and look for the early goal, which is exactly what they got. Yeah, and uh, perhaps the reason for beginning with five at the back was to try and uh, weather that storm and then change to perhaps a diamond. It could have been done pretty simply with that formation or you just take, as as we did, tell us off at half time and go to the four and then change into a diamond once you've managed to take it to, to nil-nil at half time. Perhaps that was a thinking, but I think it's naive. But you, if you're going to come up against a yeah. side who is so good at pressing, and so organised, you need players who are your best on the ball. And Van der Beek is one of the best on the ball and, and didn't start the game. Um, I just, so I, I just don't, I don't know how, it, it was a matter of, of choosing where to put your faith in. And if there's one place you want to put the faith in, it's in United attack. Um, that being said, they missed chances all throughout the Champions yeah. League group stages. And um and, and far too many of them against PSG, against Basakshire, even in the games United have won and, and against Leipzig away. Um, but the, the, the tactics were, were so off. And compared to Leipzig, you look at the fact that they started without a natural yeah. striker and that that challenged United. And when United's defence and Solskjaer and his coaching staff are challenged with anything but the norm, it always looks like they don't know what to do. Um and it it looked like that the yeah. defense didn't look like who they knew and, to mark. And, you know, the, the five the five at the back twist shouldn't be judged only because of how it the, you know the matchup that we ended up having with Leipzig's formation. But that was also another reason why five at the back didn't work because Leipzig didn't have a traditional striker. So mm. so often during the game you had at least one, if not two, of Shaw, Maguire, or Lindelof either not marking anyone because they just didn't have enough players pushed up that far forward. Or they would follow the man, probably as they should have done. But then you'd end up with Lindelof or Shaw basically in midfield trying to mark the player who had dropped deep. And then that just yeah. creates so much more space for the likes of Angelino or Haidara to run into on the right and left. It, yeah. was, it was just a way... It was, it was brilliantly coached by Nagelsmann. He, he'd identified that going into the channels was their best way of doing it. And he managed to drag our cent- central defenders too far up the pitch. Basically left yeah. them with a the choice of to let a man go free or to follow them into midfield neither of which we're particularly comfortable doing. And it just created so much more space. It was brilliant coaching from Nagelsmann. And that, that alone I don't, doesn't suggest that Solskjaer got the tactics wrong. But I, there's just still, despite the fact that he's, he's done this okay recently, that there's still this feeling that Solskjaer is, doesn't quite know how to respond within a game no, to I agree. And whatever look- tactics are there. Yeah, and and take that there is no better example of that than the final two group games of this Champions League. The PSG game at home, United were coming back and and doing very well, playing well. Uh, a whole plethora of mistakes, including Fred at half time, which, as I said on the last episode, I was a bit conflicted by. But Thomas Tuchel realised about 65 minutes through that Rashford was injured and, and took complete advantage of it, as we said. Solskjaer didn't adapt to that and, and noticed United's weakness after the opposition manager did. And then you take the Leipzig game and he, he doesn't make the changes. That, I mean, it was obvious from five minutes in uh, and you're not going to hook a player after five minutes. 
Oh, unless you're <laughs> one of the the bravest managers about, and we know Solskjaer isn't that. He's a safe pair of hands. He's not. Um, he's not challenging the boundaries of anything. But you could hook a player at. at I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not suggesting he should have made us up within ten minutes because that that's completely unrealistic and and unfair as well. But failing to change the system and the personnel and any kind of change was necessary in that in that first half. And United were fortunate to go in 2-0 down. We made the change at half time and it, it wasn't too late then. We could have got the game back and we didn't. But that change could have been made at 25, 30 minutes and it wouldn't have been any criticism of Alex Tellers. It would have been changing the formation and could have been handled with well. And it was the, the failure to respond in those two games uh, and there were more examples, smaller examples in both of those games, I think exposes Solskjaer's naivety. And the Champions League is the competition where that gets exposed. Uh, and it absolutely yeah, was. When, when you look back on this Champions League campaign, it, it has to be a just a complete wonderment, I think, and just left, leave with yourself thinking, how did this happen? And, and what if? From and that's from both I think the coaches and the and the players to focus a, a bit on the coaches again like you said I think Solskjaer despite actually setting us up really well against PSG and us being dominant in the game was ultimately outdone by the way that Tuchel reacted in against Basaksha here they just seemed, seemed in Istanbul there just seemed no yeah. planning whatsoever and then from the players standpoint you know Again, just individual mistakes like the two goals, especially the first one against Basaksha here, leaving you know 60, 70 yards of the pitch completely free for Denver Bar to run into against Leipzig. I mean, Harry Maguire for the third goal, Juan Basaka and Shaw and Tellez for the first and second goals, letting runners go free, just not being aware of what's around them. And some of the missed chances, I mean, after winning against PSG away and beating Leipzig 5-0 at home, there is absolutely no way that we shouldn't have been topping this group. And you, I, I honestly, last night, when you, when you think that we've taken three points from our last four games, two of which were against Basaksha here, I mean, that, yeah. is, that is just unacceptable. That is completely unacceptable. And you just wonder how have, we, how have we ever let that happen? You go back to the Martial chance against PSG that he's got Cavani hitting the crossbar, which was a more difficult one. But still, even the chances we missed against Leipzig, you know, Rashford and Greenwood both had great opportunities and probably should have squared it to each other and each of their opportunities in the first half against Leipzig. Right at the end, you had almost scoring an own goal. Uh, or you get rid of, you know, any one of those mistakes against Basaksha here or against Leipzig. And it, and it's a completely different story. It's just a, a, a tale yeah. of, of how on earth did this happen and what if one of those things had had ended up differently, but it's not, that's not to say that we should be feeling sorry for ourselves. And like we were unlucky because ultimately we put ourselves in a great position. And, and we've come, I mean, just without me, without any uh, better word, we just completely fucked it. And that's completely our own responsibility because these performances yeah. haven't been good enough. Yeah. It is. It is amazing that we were in such a good position and, and impressively. So, and as you say, just <laughs> completely fucked it. Um, and the, I mean, thinking more generally about Solskjaer and, and United going forward, there's, and, and we spoke about this only two days ago after we beat West Ham about the fine margins of football and how we've come off better in general this season. And I think we have. Um, 
and it, it makes me hesitant to come to any huge conclusions immediately because United's Champions League campaign was was defined by fire margins, occasionally going our way, um, but more often than not in the Champions League, not going our way, um, other than Fred not being sent off um, for headbutting someone. Uh, but it, it, those missed chances, which you can blame on the management a bit because they need to coach their players to be better, but those missed chances and some some deflected shots and whatever, they are fine margins and, and just a tiny amount could change and United will be going through as group winners. Um, and so it does, I mean, get the crossbar in both games against PSG and, and Leipzig and then went up the other end and conceded, uh, for example. So it makes me hesitant to come to any conclusions right now. And I... Uh, I think accepting the fact that Solskjaer is not going to be sacked until the end of the season. If if we have our conversation based around that fact, it, it's probably better, I think. And it, it does... I've been so impressed with so much of what he's done. and But also so so gutted by so much of it because of the potential of this team and the fact that that potential is not currently being reached. And the, I think the basic point is that he hasn't been backed enough in the summer, but we're not performing at the level we should. And that for Manchester United, Manchester United need a right winger, a defence midfielder and a centre-back. But that is in order to take the club to challenging for titles. That isn't what's needed in order to just make us good enough. And at the moment, we're not good enough. We've hit a ceiling and it, it's 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 just really frustrating as a fan because there are some really good moments in every match but it does feel like that ceiling has been hit under Solskjaer which is always kind of what we what we said we thought he'd set the club up better for his successor um, but wouldn't be the man to lead United to a title without the very best team in England and I think I think that remains true he still might be the right man for United this season and for next season Um, but yeah I think what what I started thinking about after the game was, you know, where are we now with, with Solskjaer as a coach? And I think we've spent a lot of this season. I certainly spent a lot of the start of the season saying I was becoming less and less convinced of him and his abilities as a coach and his ability to elevate what he had at his disposal. I think he's actually gained a lot of that credit back, at least in my eyes in the last month to two months because I think he has done some good things he has done done some good things when you think of some of the in-game changes that he's made we've obviously had a lot of very good comebacks which are partly down to him but then I actually got to thinking like what what is it that has made us come back in a lot of these games and in a lot of them it's not actually as if we've played amazingly and, and been really cohesive and had amazing patterns of play going forward it's often been that we've just had a few moments of individual brilliance or a few moments of really good play as a team that have kind of won us the game. And I think or actually to the way that the players have reacted to some of that rather than some of the changes that, that Solskjaer has made. I, I do think he deserves some credit for what he's done this season. I think he's probably done more. He's He's made more positive changes in game this season than he has in the other year and a half that he's been in charge of United combined. 
you know, you think back to the PSG game when he uh, changed us from five at the back to a diamond to nullify what PSG were doing, the subs that he made against Southampton. You know, he has done some good things at times, but there is always this nagging sense of, of this team could be better with some better coaching. And yet again, against Leipzig, the lack of ability to coach a defence was on show again. I know there's been, there's always this massive debate around whether we just have a group of players that aren't good enough and they make individual mistakes that we can't blame Solskjaer for or whether Solskjaer should be blamed, you know, because we aren't well coached enough. And I, I think to me, it's becoming harder and harder to ignore the failures in coaching here because it's not like these these players are, are making different mistakes all the time and mistakes are because we're trying to implement a new system or, you know, we're bringing in new players every week. These are the same players making the same mistakes over and over again. I mean, are you really telling me that a 22-year-old Wan Bissaka can't be taught how to track a runner better at the back post? Of course he can. Like that, it's ridiculous to suggest that every single time a player makes a mistake, that's just because they're not good enough. The, what is a coach there to do other than to coach those mistakes out of people and to make the, their game improve? And if you see that Wan-Bissaka has a weakness covering runners from the back post, coach him on that, teach him that. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but you just don't see any improvement in this defence and we're repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. I think that is why we said uh, in the last episode after the West Ham game, it's what stops you from getting excited about this team when it plays well, because it's not just that we're an inconsistent team and that we make, we play badly in different ways every week. We're repeating the same shite every week. And that's what's such a worry for this team with Solskjaer because it doesn't feel like we're really anywhere because we, we're just repeating the same bad mistakes over again. And that to me, yeah. regardless of who's playing and the quality yeah, of the players, I that agree. is down to coaching. Um, it's, it's just, well, that's not to say that Solskjaer should, should go, but it's just, I think, I think we can all rep Solskjaer manager. He isn't a world-class coach, at least not at the moment. Yeah. And it's, 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 you don't, you don't want to fall into the trap of being, of immediately reacting uh, in, in an exaggerated way after one defeat. But I think because it's the end of a, of a competition, it's, it's that chance to reflect. And it's also that chance to kind of think about things from another perspective. And, and you do, you think you, your mind goes back to, um, the board and the fact that while it's nearly two years since Solskjaer arrived at the club, it's also nearly two years since we said, here's an interim manager while we appoint a full-time one and a director of football. And then we rushed into offering a contract to a manager who was not at all in demand and never appointed the director of football. You think about that, you think about the quality in Solskjaer's coaching setup. Three, I mean, when you can include Solskjaer, four inexperienced coaches and that, the fact that they, he hasn't sought out someone with some great tactical acumen to assist him is is surprising and maybe naive. And it also makes you think, as someone pointed out on Twitter, I've, I was reading, is that for for me, I will back any United manager kind of to the hilt for for the most part until things become, I think, unsustainable. But as they were saying maybe it's time to normalise getting rid of managers before everything 
everything goes wrong and when you can recognise that things aren't quite as good as they have been. And I think Southampton are probably a good example of that. Um, I think we've mentioned that example a few times with Adkins, Pochettino and and so on since then. But uh, to sum it up before we preview City, th- this Champions League group stage is, is a, a, a microcosm of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It sums him up as as United manager, some great moments, some big wins, and some really great moments, and and some some <laughs> massive wins against good opposition, um, but no no actual breakthrough or progress or ultimate success, and that is what Solskjaer has been at United, and it could be all he is if changes aren't made if he keeps relying on the same people if he doesn't surround himself with some um, tactical acumen if he doesn't improve his own game management um, if he doesn't stop being just a safe pair of hands which is what he was appointed to do and start doing more pushing the boundaries yeah it just it feels like I mean it's, it's a really good point actually I, I hadn't thought of it but this this Champions League campaign is kind of a perfect microcosm for, I think, the Solskjaer experience, if that's what you want to call it. You know, uh, some really, really genuinely very, very good performances and and wins. And that's not just to say, oh, you know, we played all right and nicked a a 1-0 win. Against PSG, against Leipzig in the first game, against Leipzig and both PSG games, we played genuinely well and really dominated PSG for large stretches of the two games we played against them and that is that's not easy to do this is a team that just got to the, the final of the Champions League and and we fully deserve to win both games against them in my opinion but then you think you look at the Basaksha here defeat and I actually think more tellingly you look at the the home game against Basaksha here well we didn't do too much but sort of ground out a win and then you look at the Leipzig defeat that to me is a almost a perfect microcosm of, of who Solskjaer is as a coach and where this United team is at the moment in that we're capable. We are capable. And in some ways, I think, makes it slightly more difficult to accept the inconsistency and the mediocrity that we too often see because you just think that when you see us playing so well in some, in some stages, you just wonder how how good we could be if we had... Yeah, you know, one of the best coaches in the world because it does feel like there's something growing here. There is some potential, and I don't. I don't again. I, I don't want to say that I think Solskjaer should be sacked. I don't. I, I think he's overall has done a decent enough job, and I still think he's taking us forward. But I, there, there is there is that wonderment within me that I feel like there is something potentially really, really good in the core of this team, and and I'm just not quite convinced that Solskjaer is the man to unlock yeah. it. There's two things to that, isn't there? There's, there is the what if of uh, a new manager, a better coach, but there's also the fact that United have tried a world-class manager. They've tried a winner. They've tried a very good tactical yeah. manager and and they haven't worked either. And I think maybe that's part of the reason is, is with Solskjaer, he's a safe pair of hands, but he's also safe for... United fans like I I feel a level of comfort in Oregon Solskjaer because he's a club legend because he he's just he's very good at, at making things <laughs> seem alright um, 
and he yeah. he's not a risk, um, and he does just enough to kind of make things seem okay. And there's also that what if of seeing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer lift the trophy with Manchester United would be a, an incredible moment. Um, so there's that to it. Yeah, it's a fair point. I was I was literally having this conversation with my stepdad the other day, saying that he thought the problem was Solskjaer. And I said to him, you know, well, we've tried everything. We've, we've tried an experienced manager sort of coming up from a sort of a, a slightly lesser team in David Moyes. That didn't work out. We tried bringing in two massively experienced, massively successful trophy-laden managers in Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho, one of which is very philosophical and had a very clear system they wanted to implement, one of which was very pragmatic and was all about winning. It didn't matter about style, really. And that didn't work. Now we've brought in a very inexperienced manager with great connections to the club who's maybe less proven. And that hasn't worked, or, or well, at least... You know, hasn't it's not as exactly been a silver bullet, put it that way. The jury's still out, I think, on whether it's yeah. worked exactly. But it's tough. We talked about talked about it before. We talked about it in, at the end of the season to the end of last season that you know, if say say Mauricio Pochettino, who seems to be the most obvious replacement, all our problems do not. Would it improve us for no. now? Probably, but I don't know if it would be enough to make us it's- a title winning team. It'd probably just make us slightly better in the short term. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that thing again, you, you'll get the new manager boost, but will the same problems come back? And this is why we've said it so many times and we've had this conversation so many times, but if if United decide that Solskjaer is not the way forward, which I don't think they will anytime this season unless things get really bad, um, then the way they need to proceed is by appointing a director of football six years after they said they would, by finally doing that and having someone with the sporting knowledge to plan the way forward. Because as we've said so many times, United are a club without a plan, it seems. And a a sporting director figure or a director of football or whatever would be able to support Solskjaer in difficult times and be able to work with him to, to... perhaps create a better coaching staff to to help him in his weaknesses and and United don't have that they have a, a kind of a trio of people who work on transfers and there are lots of criticisms around that as well but it it, it does come back to the same point however boring it is to say we should move on to City um, at the weekend United will have to do so very quickly put this out of our minds um We'll beat City, won't we? That would be that would be normal. It's normal for this Manchester United team, I think. Yeah, I mean that that is the the enigma about this team, isn't it? We'll probably come out and have go on a great run, and we'll somewhat forget about the Leipzig game, and then in six weeks we'll have another disaster that will prompt this kind of long term discussion, and then we'll go on and have a good run. It, it's it's confusing. And that is who this United team are. Weirdly, I, I almost think that actually having the City game is the perfect game for us to have. I think if we were playing West Brom, I think that yeah, would actually agreed, be the, yeah. the worst possible thing for us. Mm-hmm. Takes our mind off it straight away, doesn't it? Um, well, not straight away, but... Yeah, and, and there's slightly less pressure. Obviously, it's pressurised because it's a derby, but maybe expectation yeah. is slightly less and 
we can kind of play back against yeah. the wall football. It's I, I I'll, I'm really interested to see how how we approach this. I mean, we've had so much success in the derby recently. When we recorded on Monday, I'd just um, been going through my camera roll and remembering a year ago today as it was then or a year ago and two days as it is now when we beat City at the Etihad, um, which was a, a brilliant weekend. And then we, we did it again at, at home in March as well. And we've had a lot of success in it. <laughs> the jokey bit of me thinks, oh yeah, we'll win this. But... I, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced. But I, I am interested to see how we set up. Um, I guess it depends on on Cavani and Martial's availability. Obviously, Fred is not suspended for the Premier League. Do we do we continue to play Paul Pogba? I wouldn't start him against City. His Mino Elder's comments were so infuriating, and just you just you just really just want to say fuck off. <laughs> and and Pop is a player that I I love, um, and I don't want to start having a massive conversation about it. But um, so frustrating, it and it makes you wonder whether a, a statement needs to be made by Solskjaer and he needs to to basically say to Raola, "Fuck off, I'm, I won't play your player if this is what you're going to do." But Minoraola will probably win. He normally does. Um, but I, th- I think I, I wouldn't go five at the back against City. Put it that way. Um, United are going to need players who can. Be, be good on the ball Van der Beek didn't particularly impress against West Ham but I'd probably play him um, and I expect Solskjaer will go with Fred and McTominay that, that midfield pairing and it depends on Cavani and Martial but Greenwood and Rashford up top isn't isn't a, a bad front line um, so I could see I could see Van der Beek on the right Rashford left Greenwood through the middle with Bruno behind and, and Fred and McTominay sitting. Yeah, I reckon the, the team will will look probably pretty similar to what it did against West Ham with maybe Rashford and, and Bruno coming in. I, I'd be surprised there are any major changes. I think the, the the thing is we kind of have a relatively settled lineup here that Solskjaer seems to like. I think Van der Beek should play against City. We, we struggle to, even though we have a good record against them recently, we generally struggle to keep the ball for any prolonged period of time which Van der Beek is definitely better suited to helping us do he's almost without a doubt in my in my opinion the our best player at sort of keeping us ticking over keeping the ball and not making this a game where you know we win the ball back from City and then immediately lose it in inside two seconds which is how these games against City tend to to go at least in the last few years I think it, it is kind of the perfect game for us to to come back to and I'm actually quite excited to watch it and to hopefully get over this Champions League defeat you do just wonder though <laughs> an early goal for City and suddenly we're in some serious trouble I think yeah I, I think the nature of this season means any defeat can be gotten over really quickly and hopefully that is exactly the case hopefully we beat City and, and things will look very different um, there'll still be that hesitancy and, and the, the worry that this isn't uh, a straightforward path to success, which I don't think it is, but it would, it would be brilliant. Um, yeah. I'm not going to ask you your prediction. Um, I don't want to put, put ourselves through the pain, um, but nine, three, yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of season. That honestly, nothing would surprise me at all. It really wouldn't. I have no idea. Yeah. I, yeah. I really have no idea. Go down early, come back in the second half and win two, one. <laughs> I mean that that really is uh that really is kind of it's just strange isn't it how this season has just been 
weird and that that really is what i can say about it i have no idea what's yeah. gonna happen weirdly the fact that it's at old Trafford. strangely enough not just this season but also the the manchester derby has massively favored the away team in yeah, recent yeah. years as well um last year was i think one of the first home home wins in the manchester derby for a while so who knows uh, um, but you know this this United team could come out and destroy City. We could come out and get destroyed by City. We could play out a turgid nil nil. It, it's almost impossible to say. But th- you're right that this season does offer us a little bit. It makes it easier to get over bad defeats. And if we could, you know, beat City and even just temporarily go two points behind the leaders in the Premier League, that would I think go at least some way to to satiating this a little bit and, and helping everyone get over this disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. And on that positive note, we'll wrap things up. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, certainly a form of therapy for me. Uh, I hope it proves something of a, a therapy for you as well after uh, a really gutting Tuesday night. Um, but hopefully be nice and positive after, after the game on Saturday, the derby. Oh, it just, it, it is a, insatiable football season um, for more from Jack throughout the week including on the City game you can follow him on Twitter at at UTD takes T-A-I-T I'm at Harry Robinson 64 the podcast itself is at UTD weekly pod that's P-O-D at the end there where you can also find information about how to sign up to support the show and become a patron um, but for now thanks for listening have a great week goodbye Podcast Network.